I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Jake, Newcastle fan. You can get me on Twitter at Jake Jackman with two N's. Uh, hi, I'm Steve McGookin. Uh, you can get me on Twitter at Steve McGookin, and I'm a former chairman of the New York Spurs Supporters Club. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining me today, guys. Obviously, uh, the football that happened this whole weekend in England was FA Cup, so figured we should dive into that. Fortunately, uh, all of our clubs are still in it, uh, although with replays coming up. And end, six of the matches from the fourth round of the FA Cup are now headed for replays. I was just curious to get your guys' initial take, especially since we've all got to do them. Uh, what's your take on the replay system is on the whole and if it should continue to be used in the early rounds of the FA Cup? Um, I think I'm pretty pro-replays, to be honest. Um, they're quite important for, for lower league clubs, especially um, in a lot of fine, in terms of finances and stuff. I think I saw that Shrewsbury getting their replay against Liverpool today means that they'll be able to upgrade the data analysis software they have around the training ground, which is what they were, they said this before the game would even been played that that's what they were hoping to do if they did manage to get a replay so they, they're going to upgrade their facilities because of a, a game at Anfield and it's obviously going to be special for the supporters uh, and the players to go and play at Anfield so I've, uh, you know it is nice um, in that respect it's but I do understand the issues um, for Premier League clubs especially the top six when they've got so many games you could see how annoyed Klopp is about the replay system he's, he's not been you know, backwards and coming forwards about what he thinks. He's said that it's the the replay will be scheduled in a in their winter break, and they were previously told not to schedule any friendlies in their winter break and to not do anything. So he's he's opted now to to not manage the game, the the replay game, and he's not gonna. All the senior players are gonna be on a break, so I think that's quite funny. But you can kind of get your point if you're told by the FA that this is gonna be the the winter break, and then you've got to play a replay in it. It's a bit. It's a bit silly, but yeah, it's it's just the way it goes. But I think I'm pretty pretty pro replays, even though Newcastle have got to go for another one. I think it's it's good for the lower league clubs. I think it adds a bit of drama. Um, even if Shrewsbury go out of the uh, FA Cup to Liverpool, they've had that day to remember, you know, getting a a draw against Liverpool and a positive result. It it is it's quite nice to see. Um, and I think it just throws up. It just does throw up some good stories. Um, even if the bigger club does ultimately prevail, so. Yeah, you know, there's even an argument to be made that without the replay system, you might get more shocks. Like today, I think that Shrewsbury might have went on and won the game if they'd gone to extra time. So, you know, you can make that case for it. But I just think in terms of finances and stuff and what it does to the lower leagues, we've seen so many um, football league clubs have financial trouble. We saw Berry go out of business this year. So if 
the replay can bring in a little money for Shrewsbury and make them a little bit more financially stable. I guess that that can only be a good thing. Uh, and to argue against that does make you, you know, seem like you're the Premier League, you know, are too big and above that when easily they could be in that position in a few years' time. So yeah, I think I think sticking with the replay system uh, would be, be beneficial, uh, and just trying to work out the scheduling a little bit better would is the way to go. Yeah, I, I totally agree with all of that. I mean, <clears throat> Kev, as you can imagine, I mean, as a Spurs fan, I, I love the FA Cup. Um, you know, we won it the year I was born and the year my son Tom was born. Uh, but even I, you know, wouldn't argue that it's not in the process of being devalued as a competition. And and unfortunately, that's that's not really a new phenomenon. That's rather an inevitable function of the, the sort of progressive divide between the rich and poor clubs. But... Um, you know, the third and fourth rounds always illustrate those gaps between the top and the lower divisions, and they always, you know, throw up some some quirks that that help give the FA Cup a romantic narrative. I mean, today it was <clears throat> something like the um, the Coventry Birmingham game between the landlords and the tenants, where the replay is going to be on the same ground, but the the two teams will just be in different dressing rooms. Um, and then, of course, you've got the, the ridiculous situation where you have VAR at, at some grounds and not at others. Um, but, you know, pushing any kind of excitement around the, the, the FA Cup, around the competition is, is harder when there are no giant killings, really, to, to speak of. I mean, um, West Brom beating West Ham this weekend was was a terrific win for them, but it was hardly a shock on on current form. And I, I thought Brentford were unlucky against uh, against Leicester and they played really well in their second half. But But overall, you'd have expected that outcome at the end of the day. But then, of course, as, as, as Jake said, at the end of a, what was really a pretty limp weekend, uh, the Shrewsbury-Liverpool game proves that this, this concept of the magic of the cup still exists. I mean, that was, that was basically a brilliantly watchable game and really entertaining for, uh, for neutrals particularly, and that's kind of important. I mean, you, you know, you couldn't help but feel sorry for Shrewsbury and, and, and that poor kid, Donald Love. I mean, you know, probably the only game he'll ever play in that had a global audience. And, and you'd, you, you could be forgiven for thinking that the game was over after the first minute of the second half, you know. And, and amid all these, these ideas that keep getting kicked up about streamlining the FA Cup or, you know, making it a, a more uh, exciting proposition, you know, maybe one of the ones is there should be a rule that if you're a team from a lower division and you concede an OG in the first 60 seconds of either half, that you just get to start over, but uh, but no, that would that would discriminate against the bigger teams, and of course we can't have that. But at at, at the end of the day, at the end of that game, the character that Shrewsbury showed uh, in how they responded to, to to that adversity, as well as as well as to the extent Liverpool's complacency in the second half, um, you know that outcome was a thoroughly deserved draw. And 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 as Jake was saying, who would begrudge? Shrewsbury and their and their fans a payday and the chance to, to, to go to Anfield and play at, at Anfield. So, you know, as as for the replays, as for the issue of replays, um, yes, the fixture congestion is is frustrating if your priorities are elsewhere. And uh, yes, there's always the possibility of injuries to to your key players on playing surfaces that might not always be beautifully manicured, but. Um, as Jake pointed out, the revenue aspect is is definitely hugely important for the health of the game in in general. And and for many smaller clubs, a home replay, getting a home replay, uh, might even be a better outcome than than pulling off a giant killing. But then, 
you know, all you have to do is look at the scenes at Shrewsbury tonight and ask the Shrewsbury players, um, you know, about about that. So, uh, as for the, the the cup itself, I mean, I'm I'm a bit older, obviously, than you are. Uh, so I was thinking. Uh, when I saw that Dan might have been on the show tonight, the, f- the very first cup final that I remember watching on TV was when West Brom beat Everton 1-0 with a goal by Jeff Astle. Uh, and he, he scored in every round of that of that year's competition, as I remember, which was still a big deal back then. I still have the program from it. Um, and, and back then, you see, this means nothing to, to you youngsters. Back then, the cup final on the TV, was, it was a whole day's build-up. They had a thing called It's a Cup Final Knockout between uh, two teams of fans from, from the, each team. And then the TV crews would follow the two team buses from their from their hotels somewhere in the depths of Hertfordshire. And uh, and the whole day was a spectacle. And for foot, football fans all across the country, at a time, don't forget, when there wasn't literally a game on TV every day, we, we watched every single minute and hung on every piece of analysis. So, you know, when, when the commentators my age talk about a real Royal Rovers moment or, or boys' own stuff or something like that, it usually comes from some connection to that that romance of the FA Cup, you know, back in their own childhoods. But, um, uh, you know, I have to say, I mean, like it or not, despite despite its amazing tradition, the FA Cup is is part of a game that's now economically dominated by a global elite of clubs and everything about, about the game, about the competition just emphasizes that gulf between rich and poor teams. Um, so I, oh, I'd like to point listeners uh, on that subject to another uh, excellent column in The Guardian uh, this weekend by Jonathan Wilson. And he, he points to, uh, to the fact that some people have already called for the League Cup to be scrapped. Uh, and with the growing pressure to add another four match days to the Champions League schedule, you have to wonder really what future does the FA Cup really have when the financial incentives can't hope to compete with the race for the top four. So you can't really expect teams to take the cup as seriously as, as they do the, the, more, the more lucrative competitions. I mean, for example, in the, in the Shrewsbury game tonight, Liverpool took the opportunity to play some of their fringe and their younger players, like, like many of the premiership teams did. In fact, I wrote down, somebody tweeted this evening that the shirt numbers of Liverpool's starting lineup added up to 428, and also only three of their outfield players were older than their shirt numbers tonight. Ooh, what a stat! It's a good stat, isn't it? It's yeah. very good. Um, so, I'm, you know, sometimes, sorry, let me just finish that thought. I mean, sometimes against lower league opposition, that that strategy works fine, but tonight it didn't. Uh, but I think uh, people who are Football fans, first and foremost, uh, got something out of that out of that game. I mean, for Spurs, it, our approach was slightly different this weekend because there were two things two things I think uh, at play, Kevin. And I think you know we we still have a new manager who's still trying to see the best combinations of players that he has as a disposable. Plus, we have a we have a squad in flux during a transfer window, but at the same time, there's there's a, still a real pressure on us to establish a winning run for confidence reasons more than anything else, and especially when we're uh, drawn against another team in the Premiership. So I wasn't surprised that we chose a strong team. I was just, you know, I'd love to hear what you thought. I I was just disappointed that yet again we let a game slip from a position of strength. 
Yeah, we'll circle back around to, to how our clubs have approached the Cups uh, here still in making the rounds. But I did want to get your thoughts on what Jake mentioned, which is, of course, that they have scheduled these matches in this what was supposed to be a winter break where they told clubs that they couldn't fill that space with anything. And now the FA themselves are inserting a match into that window. Well, I, you know, if you, if you want a winter break, win your first game. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. That would certainly be one way to ensure it. Um, kind of continuing on, it didn't really feel like there was going to be a particularly clear answer. And then obviously the Shrewsbury-Liverpool draw may have made this easier for you guys. But what result was the most surprising to you in the fourth round of the FA Cup? Um, yeah, that's probably the most surprising one. I thought even with Liverpool's um, weakened team that they'd be able to beat Shrewsbury after um, what they did against Everton in the last round. But... Um, there wasn't a great deal of shocks. Like, I, I guess I'm, I'd say I'm slightly surprised that we didn't manage to get through our game, considering we picked a full strength team against Oxford and we were at home. So you'd think that a Premier League team with their best team out against a League One team at home should probably win, um, but we didn't. So that was that was a little slightly surprising. But then I come to expect it from Newcastle in the FA Cup. We never really get very far i think this is the first time we're going to be in the fifth round draw since mike actually bought the club so yeah <laughs> we're not even in it on our own merit either which is sad but yeah we, I, that was probably the only other slight surprise um and i guess maybe the leicester game a little bit just because i thought that brentford yeah. um might have had enough to to beat yeah. them uh, or at least give them a better game but then uh they didn't play most of their good players anyway so that right was a much easier task for Leicester than I thought it perhaps could have been. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's funny you should mention that. It's interesting that, that the clubs, it's not just the clubs in the Premiership who are uh, adapting their, their uh, squad selection for the Cup. It's the teams who are, you know, in the playoff positions or they're thereabouts at the top of the Championship and League One, which is, uh, you know, how they, they have to budget for, because um, I think Brentford had, Brentford have a game coming up against Nottingham Forest, don't they? Which is a, a pretty crucial uh, promotion uh, game. So, so those considerations. I think it's wrong to just say those considerations are just um, just for the top teams. They're they're you you sort of cut your cloth on your squad selection depending on what games you have coming up. But yeah, I agree. I, th- I thought Brentford were unlucky because they played really well in the second half. Uh, I, I, apart from that, though, really, as I say, the, the West Brom uh, beating West Ham, you could have probably predicted that given the, the form that the both teams are in. Um, and, uh, well, you know, who, who would have thought that uh, uh, a struggling side like Manchester United could uh, could put six goals past Tranmere? <laughs> From what I believe was literally all defenders. <laughs> Maybe an exaggeration. Yeah. Although that was a great goal by Maguire, I have to say. Mm. If, if, you, if that's going to be your first goal for your team, now you couldn't pick a better one. <laughs> True. Um, although uh, your point there leads very nicely into our third topic, which we kind of already alluded to, which is how seriously is your club taking the Cups this season? Are they still valued above potentially league position in terms of for Tottenham a Champions League run? Or for Jake, I know uh, it was a big deal, and you've already mentioned it here again, that you've finally made it this far in the FA Cup. So is it becoming a priority, or is league position still the priority over any of the Cup competitions? Um, I think we're taking it quite seriously this year. I think even in the Carabao Cup, we played um, 
a pretty strong team against Leicester and went all the way to penalties. So, uh, yeah, they're now in the semi-final, likely to get to the final. So we we, we almost knocked them out when we did play them. So I think I'm, I've been quite impressed with the way Steve Bruce has approached the Cup. He's, um, again, yesterday we had um, Joel and Turn St. Maximin, uh, Almer on all playing. So I think that he's, he's obviously taken it seriously and he wants to be, um, you know, a manager that does take the cups seriously um, and does try and finally get Newcastle on a cup run, which is to be uh, respected, I guess. Um, can't really criticise him for that, and I'm, I'm quite happy he's gone for that. But Premier League survival is always going to be uh, the be-all and end-all. Uh, I think he's probably been helped by the recent result, where you know we, we've got 30 points now in the league. So it, even if we are pretty bad for the rest of the season, it, it only takes you know three more wins probably to get us safe and you'd think that we should be able to get that with the uh, games we've got coming up I think we we played the majority of teams below us in the league and I think we played a few of the top six already twice so we got a favorable fixture running so should be all right in the league so if yeah if we get through the replay and get into the fifth round um then and get a favorable draw why not take it seriously you know it, we we've shown we can compete against the big teams on a one-off occasion beating uh, Chelsea, Spurs and Man United this season um, and drawing to Man-, uh, Man City as well. So we, we seem to do quite well in those games. So yeah, I think we should be taking it seriously. Um, but then if you ask me that question again on Monday and we've been drawn away to Manchester City, I'd probably say throw the replay, it's not worth it. But <laughs> there you go. it all depends on the draw, I think. But if we get a good draw um, and we keep getting a good draw, being given a good draw up to now, Rochdale and uh, Oxford United, although we we failed to beat either of them the first attempt, so we actually threw on the replay again. But yeah, I, I think he's right to take it seriously. Um, and if we get into the get into the fifth round and manage to get through that one as well, you know anything's possible at that stage. Um, and I'm yeah, I'm I'm hopeful for a good cup run, but it does seem we're we're still making it difficult for ourselves, even though we are actually taking it seriously for once. Yeah, as for Spurs, I think it comes down to just the need for a run of confidence, uh, no matter what the competition, to be honest. I mean, you know, we squeaked past Middlesbrough uh, in the last round, and that was, uh, you know, especially having having crashed out of the Carabao Cup in the way that we that, that we did. I mean, I think it's important to, uh, to just get a, a run of good games uh, where not just are we winning, but we're playing well. And I think that has been our... That has been our issue recently is that, you know, we haven't been playing well enough, consistently enough. And, you know, for 90 minutes, uh, I mean, we saw it again today, as I was saying to you before we started the pod, you know, it was one more game where we, we were in a position of strength and we let it slip. And, you know, no matter who the opposition is or what the competition is, you want to be able to dominate those games and, and get the desired outcome at the end of it. So I think we're taking it seriously because we have to take it seriously because uh, we can't afford to basically blow off any games, not just any competitions. Um, so I think, I think there's that consideration. And also, as I kind of alluded to uh, er- earlier on, because we still, we're still in that sort of honeymoon period. Uh, well, ish with Mourinho um, where he's still sort of looking at areas of the team that need to be improved. We're in a transfer window and we'll come on to talk about that in a little bit, I'm sure. But um, uh, but I think there is still this sort of sense that we do need to be able to deliver uh, on the pitch, and we we just haven't been recently. Uh, we haven't been playing well. We've um, 
you know, we've uh, been disappointing, uh, especially when we've when we've been in a position of strength. So yeah, I think I think we're taking the, we're taking the FA Cup seriously, not just because we're Spurs and we have a tradition in the FA Cup, but um, but because I think we we're kind of we're kind of into a, a, a bit of a desperate measure situation in terms of our in terms of our confidence uh, that we really need to uh, to get a running together that um, that give us a, a bit of a boost. So yeah, so there, I think that's that's the main thing at the moment. Yeah, I don't think an extra match is particularly what Tottenham will have wanted, but still being in the cup, I think, is really important in terms of the seriousness. Under Pochettino, he always said that they were important to him, but it never felt like it. In a season where Tottenham are listing behind the top four and are without two of their best players until uh, allegedly April, and now reports coming out that Canes could be even longer than that, I think trying to just focus on the Cups might be a wise strategy um, just for this season. But time will tell there for sure. And then what if you have cost yourself a chance at top four by doing it? But we're certainly not as thoroughly in that race as we have been in previous seasons. All right, we'll take a quick break, and then we'll be back with club-specific questions for each of our guests. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, and we are back with club-specific questions for our guests. We'll start off with Jake in Newcastle. We won't dive too much into this because there's not that much information out there, and we've all been burned before. But uh, I assume you'd be excited if there were actual new owners of Newcastle for about the eighth time in the last three years. Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy if we finally got taken over. It's going to happen one day. Like, one of these times, it's going to happen. He's but I'll gonna... never believe like, it until it's official. Exactly. Um, I guess the only thing about the news stories is that the last takeover stuff came from this, a story broke by The Sun, and this one was broken by the Wall Street Journal, uh, and it's now been picked up as well by the financial times you've read a little bit more about it so you know it's, it's a little bit more credible in where it's coming from but um you know there's so much written about all these things like in even since we started recording this show the telegraph the the northeast telegraph reporter has come out and said that uh from what he's had 90 percent done it, that that's too premature and then another telegraph reporter has, has written a piece about how they're pressing ahead with the move. So it's like even two people from the same newspaper can't agree on it. So, you know, it, it it depends where you get your information from on these things. But it seems like there's something to it. But, yeah, we, we will not 
talk about it too much until it actually happens, if it ever does. <laughs> yeah, things that have actually happened. You've signed two players already in Bentaleb and Lazaro, both of which I believe are loans with options to buy. Are you more excited about one or the other, or on the whole, are you just glad to see your club strengthening in January? Uh, yeah, I think they both look solid signings. We normally do stuff in January, like in the last few years. We've had Kennedy come in on loan, who did well. Dubravka signed in January, and then we obviously had Almiron. So it seems that we normally do quite good stuff in January um, in what is a difficult window. Uh, the Bentaleb stuff looks good. I mean, he's obviously played for Spurs um, early in his career, then went off to the Bundesliga and seemed to do really well there. Uh, until discipline, uh, disciplinary uh, issues came up, which which is why they've ultimately sold him. But I think it's a loan and, and then an option to make permanent at about eight million. So yeah, if he does well, that's a bargain. Um, and then the Lazaro uh, that seemed to be a difficult one to do. I think Leipzig were were in for him as well. And it, oh, eventually we did get it done, but it looked like we were going to miss out. So that's a huge one. And I think that he he looks like a natural in the the right wing back role and if you know he's signed by Conte to play that role just in the summer obviously didn't work out if Conte is obviously rated him for that role at Inter Milan he could come in and do it in Newcastle uh, and can hopefully add a lot of what Willems did on the left hand side so yeah I think they're both positive signings and you know I'm, I'm, although I'm against loan signings uh, and I prefer permanent ones if you've got the option to buy in there you, you know you can try before you buy i guess and that's, when you're buying in january i think that's that's a good thing to do so i can't really fault them on that um so yeah i'm pretty happy with both and hopefully they'll both add a little bit to our starting 11 uh, in the next part of the season yeah you mentioned previous Januarys there and in particular martin dubrovka who i'm sure you're aware is currently leading the premier league in saves and i was just wondering if that is kind of a pride point or a little bit more of a concern obviously on the upside, he has been able to stop the most shots in the Premier League, but also that means he's been facing plenty of shots as well. Do you, do you view that as a positive or a negative? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. I, I think if you're going to play the way we do, which is pretty much very negative football and try and get something on the counter, it's like you're going to invite shots. That's bound to happen. Um, I think we're, we're fairly good at limiting those shots to, to not very good ones. Like a lot of these are, are from long range or from set pieces and stuff. So it's not the biggest concern, but it, it is obviously one we need to address. And Bruce has even come out himself and said that the performances haven't been good enough, despite some very crazy results, which can see us, you know, go from 2-0 down with one minute to go to draw two all at Goodison, which is just mental. Um, there does seem to be a lot of luck at the moment, but, you know, you've got to read that and hopefully improve on it. You know, it, He's brought in two new players this month. Maybe he'll bring in another one before the window closes. And you just hope that the quality does does improve. And there is a, a shift in the, the tactical style to become better on the ball um, and to maybe not be so defensive. I think that's got to be the next move. It's going to be a gradual process. Like This team has played this way for for you know three years now since we got promoted back to the Premier League under Benitez. It's been a... It's so ingrained in them to play this way that when Bruce has tried to become a little bit more possession-oriented, it, it really hasn't worked out. So it, we're going to have to bring in the players that are able to do that. So I think you can see that's, that's what he's trying to do. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a gradual process. But it, it, it's a worry. But then, you know, if you're going to have a lot of shots, you're going to hope you've got a good goalie. And I think that Dubravka probably is one of the top five keepers in the league. He, makes the occasional mistake but he is he's won so many points uh since joining and and to go and sign a goalie from sparta prague and for him to do as well as he has done it, it just it's a great piece of scouting um and yeah he's a big 
reason for why we are, you know, so clear of relegation at this point of the season. Yeah, certainly his talent is not in question in this equation, uh, as he's been pretty fantastic since joining. Uh, Coming to you now, Steve, uh, just a bit of background info. About two weeks ago on this show, uh, we did a whole eulogy of Christian Eriksen's time in the Premier League. He did that lap of honor after the Liverpool match, I want to say it was. Um, And it seemed he was off. Well, the deal's dragged on longer than hoped, but now it seems everything but the final announcements and signatures are done. What did you make of Ericsson's time at Tottenham? I I loved him. I thought he was a great player. Uh, I just wished he'd been more consistent. And I, as I've often said to you when we're at games together, uh, you know in the first 10 minutes, or you tend to get a sense in the first 10 minutes, whether he's on song that day or not, or whether he's going to be fully engaged in the game or not. Uh, I just wish that some of the things we'd seen from him, we'd seen on a much more consistent basis. But he certainly, uh, in in terms of the sort of midfielders that we have had uh, over the past, uh, well, decade, decade and a half, I suppose. I mean, he's not he's not in the the class of Modric. Uh, he's not uh, as resilient a player as Dom, as Dembele. Um, he has he did not have the sort of explosive um, uh, ability to, to change a game the way Van der Vaart had. Um, but having said that, he his vision uh, and the way in which he read the game and the speed in which he was able to pick a pass uh, is as good as as uh, pretty much any any player that we've had. I'll I'll miss him very much, but. You know the, the the whole sort of big in and out thing uh, is that that's balanced by um, how enthusiastic I am for uh, Giovanni Lo Celso, uh, who looks to be um, I, you know I <laughs> don't want to give him the kiss of death here, but I, he looks to be the the genuine article, and I do think that twenty seven million pounds down the road will turn out to be a bargain for him. So uh, you know I, I, it's. Uh, it's a difficult one. I mean, obviously, we're we're sort of murdered by uh, by injuries at the moment. So you need all the players to step up, and a player of Ericsson's quality, you can't just sort of you know lose completely without uh, without some knock on effect. Um, but uh, I, I'm very optimistic about uh, about Lachelso, and I, I really. I really hope he uh, he uh, turns out to be able to show us on a on a consistent basis what what we've seen uh, over the past few weeks. Well, you've kind of beaten me to the punch there because my follow up oh. question was going to be about there were reports that we'd have to sign a central attacking midfielder to replace him, and Jake and I had it back and forth on Twitter. It was like, isn't that Lacelso? Wasn't that the entire point? Uh, and so I guess the question would then be, uh, do you think Deli Ali and Giovanni Lacelso are enough? to fill that attacking midfield void. Obviously, Delhi a little less on the creative side than us also. Well, also, don't forget, you've got either Son or Mura playing alongside them, uh, and that helps a lot. Uh, it, you wouldn't expect them to uh, contribute in terms of the number of goals that they would score, but um, I, I, that's, I'm sure that's one thing that... that uh, Mourinho wants Delhi to get back to is, is is bursting into the box and being able to find himself in scoring positions. But then, of course, that I think is easier for him when he's playing alongside Kane. Um, so obviously, they're going to have to adapt uh, over the next sort of 
couple of months really until we get a, a clearer idea of when Harry will be back. Um, but um, I think the combination of Lacelso and and Delhi uh, in combination with with Son and or Mura and or Lamella, uh, as we saw with uh, with Son's goal yesterday, uh, I, I think can be a very potent combination for us. Um, it depends on what your target for an attacking midfielder is in terms of productivity, uh, goals slash assists, that sort of thing. I think that's always going to be doubtful. Uh, you can't just judge somebody on their on their raw numbers. It's what they what they provide when they're actually on the field. Um, so yeah, I think I think it, we're we're in a kind of a weird twilight zoney kind of area while Kane's injured because the whole um, rhythm and, and pattern of the squad is disrupted. Uh, but I, I'm uh, having lost uh, Ericsson, I'm very happy that we that we have Giovanni Lo Celso to, to to step in, and I think he's only going to get better as as each game with each game that he plays. Oh, and it was interesting yesterday. Some of the commentators were talking yesterday about the implications of Kane's injury for for England as well. Yeah. And uh, and and it, it was interesting that Danny Ings is now in the mix. They're talking about Danny Ings, uh, the Southampton striker, as being a potential, um, you know, replacement for uh, for Kane in the England setup. And that that seemed to me to be a good a good shout. Yeah, the season is certainly weird uh, without Kane for the majority of the remainder of the season. Still yet to have a formal timetable on that. Also of note with Lacelso, in case uh, people aren't aware. In his post-match interview yesterday, Mourinho did confirm that Tottenham will take up their option to buy him. Whether that's in the next five days or in the summer remains to be seen. Uh, for Continuing, for those that don't know, if Tottenham made a Champions League spot, it would be a compulsory purchase. If oh. Tottenham don't make it into the top four, then it is an option to purchase. Oh, I, did, um, I didn't Thank you for that. I, I, just knew, I knew there was a differential in the price mm-hmm. between now and the end of the season and uh i as i said and uh, i think 27 million if we pick them up for 27 million it'll, it'll prove to be a bargain yeah uh, go yeah it is that, that, that's a very interesting financial balance thing because everybody keeps mentioning that he would be more expensive in the summer but it would also be more expensive after the club have brought in more money and we might have to try to allocate some of that for a striker so that's why mm. i wouldn't be shocked if we actually end up not doing it now even though it's cheaper mm. in air quotes and we know that we want to um just depends on what what cup you want to put all of that money in but that's Again, yeah that's you're taking a gamble that we'll get into the Champions League, and then the the, the money argument becomes less of a less of a pressing one. Yeah, indeed. Um, so yeah, that's that's the situation. That's why Steve and I are both speaking about Lacelso as though he'll be around for a long time. Mourinho basically saying, yeah, he will be. Um, we will follow from there into Player Watch, although we kind of just did a version of it, uh, where we will discuss which players you think might leave and might arrive at your club before the close of the January window. Jake, we already talked about how there's already been motion from Newcastle. Are you expecting much else? Um, yeah, I, I think they're going to try and do something else. I'm not quite sure uh, whether they'll be able to or not. I think it'll be interesting to follow what's happening with Jared Bowen. I know that Steve Bruce really wants him. Uh, there's been links, but it seems that a little bit put off by the asking price, uh, given his contracts up in the summer. Um, I think they've got an option to renew it, but e- even so, you'd think that they, I think they're asking for 20, uh, 23 to 25 million, which is a lot for a player that isn't proven in the Premier League, especially one that you'll be able to get for a, 
a cheaper rate either you know in the summer or next January when his contract is coming up because I don't think he'll sign a new one with Hull uh, but Hull might blink uh, they might decide to sell um, if the right offer comes in uh, it's similar to what was happening with Almiron last January where there was so much haggling on the price and it finally did get done um, I think you find in January that the prices do seem to come down in the final week and more things get done. That's why so many clubs sort of leave it to that point, uh, point to try and get the best deal for themselves. So we'll see with that one. Um, definitely think we need to try and add more goals to our team. Um, that, that's definitely crucial. Um, they might go and see if there's a, a striker available um, for a loan, either in Premier League or, or in Europe. I saw uh, Alcazar from Dortmund was linked. Not sure if that's one. Uh, it did come from the Sun, so I'm not going to put too much credit into it. But given who has just arrived at Dortmund and scored a ridiculous amount of goals in, in two sub-appearances already. Wouldn't be surprised if he's one that might be available. Um, who would be a good signing if we managed to do it. But yeah, I'd, I'd hope we we could bring in an attacking player. Uh, and, and, attack him, and that attacking player is one that's proven for scoring goals because that's the biggest thing we are lacking at the moment. Uh, we've got a lot of decent players in attack, a lot of promising players, but we've got nobody that is that proven goal scorer. And I think we need to add that. Uh, just to make sure that, uh, one, we stay in the Premier League, and two, that we just continue developing um, and improving as a team. Yeah, well, uh, I think, uh, yeah, we mentioned the Lo Celso situation and obviously the, the other uh, name that keeps getting kicked around in the media at the moment is uh, Steven Bergwin from uh, uh, PSV. And obviously, Kevin, you, with your with your Dutch connections and your knowledge of the Air Z, you, you know a bit more about it than... Uh, than I do, or indeed the sort of player that he is, but it sounds like that might have hit a bit of a uh, a bit of a hurdle because uh, PSV apparently saying that they haven't uh, given permission for him to to meet with Spurs or to have that discussion yet. So uh, the the Piatek um, story that was going around uh, probably seemed to be a short term fix for uh, to cover for Harry. Uh, not sure about the the, the other William uh, William Jose. Um, uh, whether that was actually going to be a, a flyer or not. So, and then of course you you, you have the the, the kind of usual um, <laughs> Gareth Bale returns in in a blaze of glory uh, story that raises its its ugly head every transfer window. Uh, but as always, Kevin, I mean, it's like I it, I, I keep saying to you, I'm just going to wait for them to be pictured holding a shirt. Uh, and then we'll see where we go from there. Um, on on the way out, uh, the, the, there seems to be a lot more chatter about Danny Rose. Um, apparently, seeming to be the subject of uh, intensifying speculation. With uh, actually, Jake, with with Newcastle uh, being one of the clubs that were apparently um, interested in taking Danny Rose. So. Uh, uh, who knows? Literally, any anything could happen uh, with Spurs in the transfer market. But um, uh, I, I think, depending on the, the the extent or the nature of Harry's injury and the long term uh, nature of that, uh, I mean, with the other with the other injuries, the the Winks uh, situation seems to be better rather than uh, rather than worse. Uh, it looks like we're talking a shorter length of time that he'll be out. Um, Davies and, and, and Musa Sissoko seem to be heading back at the end of March, early April. And uh, Ndombele seems to be back in, in full-time training. So um, it's, it's really just the, the striker scenario that we're, uh, that, we're looking to, that we're looking to cover for. So again, I'm going to wait until I see uh, Jose standing with them holding a shirt up. 
Yeah, there's certainly infinite names being linked around. And it was interesting hearing Jose say a lot of it is just uh, agents trying to talk their <laughs> players into the market, which is about as straightforward as you're going to get uh, when somebody's asked about a thing. Um, yeah, re- regarding Bergvine, that came out of nowhere, much like Chadley when he came from there. Um, well, from the Netherlands. I think he may have been at Azed. Mm, wish I had remembered that better. Uh, but yeah, uh, very, very two-footed winger. He was third in the Eredivisie last season in assists, and he's third exactly at this moment uh, behind Tadic and Ziyech as well. Uh, but anyway, yes, would be a fantastic signing. He was heavily linked during Poch's time because all Poch wanted was to get another two-footed winger like Sun, and that's what brought in G in. It's what brought in Kudu in. We just, yeah. we just couldn't do it. Um, so it would be mildly ironic and a little sad <laughs> if we finally managed to get him in post-Pochettino. But a lot of that groundwork has probably already been laid, which is probably why this moved so quickly today. Although, as you mentioned, yeah, a bit of a hitch with the club saying that he didn't have permission to talk to Tottenham. Although he has taken to Instagram, because it's 2020, and said that he did have permission. And so now we just don't know. <laughs> but... Uh, time will tell on that one. I agree with Piatek. I don't really think he should be the next striker to be brought in. Like with William Jose, not incredibly talented, just to be horrendously blunt, um, but offer something different, kind of in the Lorente mold of a big athletic striker. Uh, also, I thought Musa Dembele, not the one that we've already had, uh, made a lot of sense because then he's a smaller, quicker version, and then maybe the two can play together instead of one just being an eternal backup the way that Jansen was. Um, but we'll see five days left for Daniel Levy to, to figure something out. And, and if, if a striker isn't brought in, but Bergvine was, then you can expect Son or Lucas will play up front. It's been Lucas thus far, but his inability yeah. to hold up play, I think really hurt us in that Southampton match. Um, but if you yes. bring in Bergvine, you can just play Lucas as your striker. And now you have Bergvine and Son on the wings with Lamella in cover. And I guess you just say that that's good enough. I don't know. We'll see. Not a lot of time left. Uh, but I think, Jake, you were on a show where we talked about if this transfer window would pick up, and it certainly seems to be doing so at the moment. All right, we will wrap up with match previews. Uh, Jake, you're going to be hosting Norwich next. Uh, I believe they're still bottom of the table. Are you feeling pretty confident heading into that one? Um, I'm not sure about confident. I, I'm never confident with with Newcastle, but um, you'd hope that a home game against the team currently bottom of the table is one that you should be winning. Um, we in, in the game um, earlier in the season, they managed to beat us quite comfortably. I think it was 3-1 with, with Pookie getting a hat-trick, so hopefully that does not repeat itself. Um, but yeah, they're, def- they're definitely weak at the back, and you'd think that even though we do struggle sometimes to create, that we will be able to create chances against this Norwich team. Um, it's just a, a case of taking them We'll have the new signings come in. I'm not sure if even one of them will start. Maybe Lazaro will. I think he's um, got an easier path to the first team. But, yeah, hopefully we we have pl- more players back. Um, we can go pretty full strength and we can win this. And if we do win this, you know, take us to 33 points before um, to kick off February, you'd hope that that would be enough to, to mean we'll be safe. Um, just, you know, the law of averages of the remaining games, we're probably not going to lose all of them. So, yeah, this is a big game. I think it's it's one where we could put real daylight between us and the bottom three. It'll be tough. Like Norwich are, are a dangerous team. They do play good football. Um, they're showing a little bit of spirit um, in recent weeks. I think they're probably unlucky not to get something out of the Spurs game. Easily could have won that on another day. But 
yeah, they're, they're just vulnerable at the back and you know that you're always going to get a chance. So as long as we keep things tight um, and don't concede too much, you would hope we'd win this one. So yeah, I'll, I'll go for a Newcastle win, but it's definitely a dangerous game for us. Yeah, and then Steve, fortunately, we're in such good form uh, that I'm sure there are no doubts about us facing Manchester City. Yeah, I know. The only thing I think we have going for us is uh, City might be distracted, but and also it's at it's at our own ground. If it was uh, if it was at uh, the Etihad, the uh, it might be a different story. But yeah, it's it, it's the same old story every time we play City. It's always a game of two um, uh, two teams that play good open football. And you know, to to a certain extent, it could go either way. But uh, but really, they're on they're on fine form at the moment. I mean, they you know they destroyed Fulham uh, today uh, and uh, yesterday. Sorry, that was uh, no, that was today. That, sorry, the FA Cup weekend just merges all into one with me uh, occasionally. But no, they <laughs> they played really well in in, uh, in beating Fulham uh, today. And then you know they they um, it looks like they're going to cruise through in the Carabao Cup against. Uh, Against Man U, um, we—it's been tough for us recently. I mean, as Jake mentioned, we we sort of nicked it against Norwich. Uh, we were lucky in, in that, and then we had that disappointing nil-nil against Watford. But not not to take anything away from Watford, they're uh, resurgent at the moment. They're they're playing really well under Nigel Pearson, uh, and you know, to an extent, we we um, we probably should have lost by more against Liverpool, but. Um, yeah, one of those things. Uh, it's it's hard to see how we'll get any more than a point. I think out of this one, I'll I'll go for a one-one. Yeah, it is worth noting that Manchester City had much less of an idea how to handle us when we had that kind of flowing attack when Kane was injured in the Champions League, and they weren't really sure when Son was going to go forward and when Lucas was going to go forward. So in that way, we might actually have that advantage. Yeah. Although they may have learned from that last season. And, and um, also- as you know, I mean, their their back four can be shaken. Mm. Uh, you know, every every so often they'll. Uh, I mean, as as we saw in that um, uh, when they drew two two against Palace, for example, a few weeks ago, that was. Uh, you know, you you don't get the impression that if they're if they're back four on the back foot that they're particularly uh, as solid as they should be. Uh, and in a way, maybe that's why they're sort of slipping down the tail, or you know, slipping back in, in relation to Liverpool. But I, I still think they're you know one of the two best teams in the country at the moment. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a challenge for us. Certainly. All right. Well, it's a bit of a shorter one today, but it's the FA Cup week, so we'll we'll chalk it up to that. But we are now through with the show. So if you would like to tell folks where they could find you or anything you're working on, now would be a good time. Yeah, you can get me on. Twitter at Jake Jeff with two ends. Uh, I'll post anything I do that. I'm also on the championship show, which there wasn't one last week because of technical issues, but there will be one this week. So keep an eye out for that. And you can get me on Twitter at Steve McGookin or uh, uh, tune in to uh, at NewYorkSpurs.com or NewYorkSpurs.com. Uh, and for my non football writing, uh, you can go to NorthernSlant.com. Thanks for having me on again, Kev. Yeah, thanks to you guys so much for coming on. It was a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 